0: Thank you for tuning into this webinar, Become a Destination Employer, Five Factors You Must Get Right. This webinar is hosted by AGH University and presented by AGH Employer Solutions. AGH Employer Solutions is a team of professionals that helps employers, business owners, and human resource professionals hire, compensate, manage, engage, train, and retain one of their most critical resources, their talent. Today's speaker is Carrie Cox. Carrie is a senior organizational development consultant for AGH Employer Solutions Organizational Development and Family Business Services Group. She has experience in a variety of human resource functions, including a thorough knowledge of labor laws, compensation structures, employee classification, benefits administration, performance management, and human resource best practices. She served clients in a number of industries, including manufacturing, construction, banking, and not-for-profits. She's a member of the national and local chapters of the Society for Human Resource Management and has earned the SHRM Certified Professional Credential. Additionally, she's certified as a professional in human resources by the Human Resource Certification Institute and is a certified practitioner for the Meyer-Briggs Type Indicator. Just as job candidates must create a strong resume, employers must put together a powerful combination of incentives and not just pay to compete in today's labor market. In this webinar, you'll learn the factors that go into becoming a sought-after destination employer, evaluate how your own organization stacks up against others, and what you can do to increase your odds in the competition for talent.
1: Thanks, Mike, and good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us today. So in my work, I get to work with a number of different uh, organizations and help them get better by uh, helping with any of their employee needs or issues or opportunities. And um, that could mean anything from helping to evaluate compliance efforts or compensation structures to coaching managers or teams on performance issues and even helping hire. So I get to work with a lot of different clients, different sizes, different industries, different challenges, but they all have something in common. They can't seem to get and keep enough good and talented employees in their workplaces. And in the last five years or so, we've seen a real shift in the job market from an employer-driven market to a candidate-driven market. And that's creating a lot of challenges for employers as they try to recruit and keep the best employees. So that's what we're going to talk about today. I'm going to give you some data on trends that we're seeing that are contributing to the talent shortage across all industries, talk briefly about the factors that influence being a place where people want to work, how you can become that place where people want to work, and finally give you some tips on determining where you are in that process or how you can help evaluate yourself. So in order to consider strategies for attracting and retaining employees, we have to understand the challenges we're facing and the factors that will influence our work and our workforce in the future. So we're going to just talk briefly about that. In 2016, the Department of Labor reported the lowest number number of jobless claims since 1973 and in our latest job reports uh, numbers have been under five percent with unemployment uh, 4.7 percent or so and in 2016 we also saw the highest number of job openings in the US so openings where people um, have some capacity in their employment five-point million total which is an all-time high that we saw last year so with that unemployment rate hovering just under five percent Many economic experts believe we're at full employment, and we don't really have the people to fill those open slots. So we have to make sure that we're doing what we can to attract those individuals that are the best and most talented. The other thing we're seeing is more Americans are voluntarily leaving their jobs for other positions. So they have employment but are taking other jobs instead of staying where they are. And those are all indicators that there are more jobs available and it's becoming more of an employee's job market and depending upon which survey you look at roughly one-third to two-thirds of employers reported facing difficulties filling jobs and um, the hardest jobs to fill skilled trade workers as you might expect drivers teachers sales reps administrative professionals management executives nurses technicians accounting and finance professionals and also engineers. So some of those I would say are pretty typical as you would expect, others maybe not so much. And why aren't those jobs being filled? Well, more than one-third of employers cite a lack of available applicants, so that talent shortage that we're talking about. And it's not just because there are key skills or um, professional education that might be needed. The most commonly reported basic skill shortages are in areas where We should be learning in uh, elementary school, so writing in English, basic computer skills, spoken English language, reading comprehension and mathematics, some of the very basics that um, people learn in the early years of life. And what does it all matter? So what does a talent shortage have or how does it impact our business? Well nearly half of employers felt that it had a medium to high impact on their ability to meet the needs of the people that they serve, so their customers or clients. 41% say it reduces their competitiveness or productivity levels in the organization. And nearly a third said it caused increased employee turnover, higher compensation costs, and lower employee engagement. All of those things impact your bottom line. And of course, it's even more of an issue for skilled labor and careers in those STEM areas, science, technology, engineering, and math. So it's even harder to find employees and keep employees in those areas which has led, again, to that candidate-driven job market, which is that shift we've seen over time. Additionally, we're seeing some different trends impacting our work that we should be aware of. So technology growth is one. We continue to see technology grow at a pace that is much faster than our own abilities. So we have a need for more highly skilled workers and workers who are adaptable to the pace of change. We have to consider how this impacts the skills that are needed in our future employees. It takes more than just a warm body to fill a slot. Skills need to come with or be learned by that person in the role. So one thing you need to think about as you hire, what are the most important skill sets that you need and what can be trained or learned on the job. It's usually easier to train someone on technology than to teach critical thinking skills for instance. So you want to make sure you're looking for that right fit. Another area or trend that's impacting our work is government regulation. So with the new administration in our federal government, we may actually be entering a time of deregulation as it looks today, so it's critical to think about the skills needed to keep up, including helping our stakeholders to understand these changes. And you'll have to consider as we go forward how does deregulation impact your business and the employee side of it. Globalization is another trend that's impacting our work. So. Um, We are much more connected globally to what's going on around the world, but also to businesses and um, others that we impact with on that level. And we have to think about what's going on with the current administration and changes to legislation, trade, immigration. Those not only impact our local communities, but our customers and business as a whole. So you need to be aware of what globalization looks like and how it relates to you in your company and the uh, customers that you're trying to serve. A final trend to think about as you move forward is shifting demographics. So Millennials and the generation that follows them are changing the way we work. And with 10,000 baby boomers reaching retirement every day, there's a need to preserve or replace the knowledge that they take with them when they go. Generation X, who follow the boomers, they're much smaller than the baby boomers, so the numbers are not there just to fill the gaps that the boomer generation leaves behind. And we have to successfully integrate the new generations into our workforce earlier than maybe we've been used to in the past. Additionally, we see greater diversity with each successive generation, so there's a need not only to understand how best to work with the different generational needs, but also how best to serve our community's population needs as that shifts. So this generational shift is something we see employers struggle with time and again, so I wanted to dive just a little bit deeper into that. If you're still struggling with how to deal with millennials, you've got to figure it out and get on board. If you're just stuck belaboring the point that millennials are all about me, 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 then it's not going to help you to recruit the best employees you need, and it's not going to help your business. And as you think about it, if this generation or millennials is about me, 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 um, we've got a side-by-side comparison here of a couple of different magazine covers, Um, the second one I just put up from the 1970s, that the boomer generation was all about me too. So it can just be a perception of where people are in life, but what you have to do is find a way to bridge the gap and adjust to the workforce today. And many of you are doing that and succeeding already. Um, I hear from some clients it's frustrating, they don't understand how to work with or best address the needs of millennials, and it can be frustrating, but you've got to deal with that because the Boomers are leaving and the Generation X can't fill that gap just based on sheer numbers that they have. And then a couple of thoughts on Generation Z. Um, They've been referred to as a number of different terms, but this is the one I've been hearing most uh, frequently. So They follow millennials anywhere from 1995 to being born in 2000, just depending upon the sources you look at. They're going to be the most diverse generation in history, having the shortest attention span of only eight seconds. Think about how much they use technology. They're really the first true digital natives in the world. They've also come at an age post 9-11 in a world that's been saturated with terrorism, war, and economic distress. So likely this has made them to be more target-oriented, planning careers and seeking job security earlier than previous generations. They're eager to work and they're likely going to be in your workforce pretty soon if they're not already there. Some of them may skip college because they want more job security. They want to get straight into work. Some of the things that are going to be important to this next Generation Z include entrepreneurship, desire for social leadership quick communication and knowledge and education. And so how do you cope with that? Well, you've got to be innovative in your practices or you won't appeal to them and they won't stay with you. So you've got to deliver on their constantly evolving needs. You've got to make them part of the solution, making sure you involve them to help create what they want in their jobs and in the companies they work for. And you've got to demonstrate respect and loyalty before they ask for it. So it's a relationship of mutual respect. Traditional reward programs where people are promoted over time and learn skills over time just don't um, seem to work or, or likely won't work with this generation. And, of course, you have to be concerned about technology because they've they live it. So we're going to go ahead and load our first poll question, and we just want to know which of those four trends are you most concerned with as you think about the future workforce? Is it technology, government regulation, globalization, or demographic shifts? 22% of you said technology, 31% said government regulation. Only 3% said globalization and 44% said demographic shift. So obviously being able to respond to the boomers retiring and figuring out how to work with the younger generations is the biggest um, area of concern, but then also government regulation close behind. So we know we're seeing a lot of changes in that area and we've got to be able to respond. So appreciate your participation in that one. So now that we've had an opportunity to think for a bit about what the future looks like and what some of those trends are, let's talk about what we can actually do to position ourselves to recruit and retain the best employees. And we're going to talk about what it means to be a destination employer. And what I mean by that, it's, it's a place where people want to work. It's the employer that you know by reputation for treating employees well and for doing good work. If you think about the destination definition. Um, It's a place where people deem it worthy of travel for an extended visit. Um, Think about a destination restaurant. It's not somewhere you'd, you'd go every day, but it's somewhere that you'd really like to go. And the same thing is true of being a destination employer. Your organization has to be deemed a place worthy of working for an extended period of time. It's not just a place you pass through to new, to learn new skills or to gain some experience. It's a place where people want to stay, really worth the effort of making that journey. So think about are you a destination employer? What percentage of your current employees do you think are open to taking another job? If, if I had to um, ask you to give me a percentage. Well, generally, it's about half of employees that would consider taking another job. So half of your workforce is open to leaving or considering another option. And so you've got to think about what do I do as an employer to make sure that they want to stay working for me here. Jobs are abundant today, which means job seekers, both active and passive job seekers, can be much more selective in the job they take and choose to stay in. And this is especially true for skilled and technical positions. These jobs are in high demand and the labor pool for them is limited, which means as an employer, you have to create a culture and provide opportunities for employees so that they want to work for you and stay working for you, a culture where employees are engaged and invested in the work that they do. Because if you don't, it's easy for that skilled worker or any worker really to leave your organization and find a job that pays just as much or even more somewhere else. And when certain skills are in demand and employees have multiple job opportunities, They're not just looking for the money or the security of having a paycheck. They're looking to find a place where they enjoy working and that that place fits with their values. Don't get me wrong, the money has to be competitive too, but if all things are equal, you have to find a way to differentiate yourself. So what does it take to be a destination employer? You want to think about the best companies to work for, whether local, national. The best companies share certain characteristics. So they clearly understand their purpose for existence, their why, why they exist. And beyond that, they align how they do what they do and what they sell or provide with that why, that reason for existence. They offer a total rewards package that is meaningful to their employees. They understand what drives their employees beyond the dollar and are able to communicate what they provide as employers in a way that allows employees to achieve results. They also hire good managers that manage in a way to engage and retain the best employees. And finally, they create a culture of teamwork in the ideal or in which the ideal team players are humble, hungry, and smart. And we'll talk about all these factors in more detail. So how would you say that you're doing in these areas? And that's where we're going to load our next poll question. And we just want to know, which factor does your organization do well at addressing? And you can select as many as you want on this one. Do you feel like you have clear strategy? Total rewards is, is good in your company. Um, communication works really well. Management is top notch. Um, and culture is another option. So again, you can select more than one on this one. But we want to know, in what factors do you feel like you're doing well? Looks like about half of you feel like you do pretty well on total rewards and with your culture. A um, little bit less feel like you do pretty well on management and then 37% of you feel like you do pretty well on communication and just 27% feel like you have clear strategy. So all of these things interrelate and are intertwined so it's important to Um, Make sure you're doing well in all of those areas. But certainly build upon what you're already doing well as you move forward to become a destination employer. So what are the things that we can do? It's really an opportunity. How do we position ourselves to be the employer that people come to and stay at? How do we become the destination employer? And I don't have a magic answer because there really isn't one. We're in a time period where there are a lot of challenges facing employers, and the answers aren't easy but they're really important as we plan for future employment needs. So I'm going to share today with you five high-level strategies that you can use in tackling your recruitment and retention challenges. So the first one is knowing your why, your purpose for existence in your organization, and really selling it. So organizations that have a clearly defined purpose have a distinctive culture and are able to attract and retain certain types of individuals who succeed in those organizations second strategy is evaluating your total reward strategy so making sure that the total package beyond just pay um, speaks to what your employees need and that you're competitive in the marketplace another strategy is communicating your employee value proposition So part of that is what you offer in terms of total rewards or compensation, but what else do they get out of working for you? What are the intangibles that come along with the job that you really need to sell and communicate to prospective employees and your current employees as well? Fourth strategy is um, ensuring you have good managers in place to engage current employees to keep your current workforce stable. It's just as important to create an engaged workforce as it is in finding new talent to join the organization. And then finally creating a culture of teamwork, so having those humble, hungry and smart employees who really work well together and are willing to pitch in and do what, the, what they need to for the company to take you the distance that you need to go. So the first one we're going to talk about is knowing your why, knowing your purpose. So when we're in a candidate-driven market like we are today, you as an employer have to really set yourself apart from the other businesses that your employees can work for. Job seekers and even your current employees kind of hold the card, so to say, or so to speak. So job seekers and your employees really have a lot of opportunity before them, and they can be more selective in their choice of employer. When certain skills are in demand and employees have those other job opportunities, like I mentioned before, it's not just about the money and having that secure paycheck like it was during the recession. It's about finding a place they enjoy working and that fits with their values and what they want to do. So, how do you know if your values align with the company's values? Well, the the company or the employer has to be really clear about its purpose and be able to communicate that to employees. So, there's an author, Simon Sinek, who um, wrote a book called Start With Why, which explores the idea of purpose in our organizations, and he's got a good TED Talk on this that I'd highly recommend you look at. Um, It's very good and, of course, TED Talks aren't too lengthy. But he argues, um, and his theory is, companies with a clearly defined purpose that they can articulate in a meaningful way are more successful than companies that aren't clear in their purpose. He says that people will buy from you because of why you do what you do and not just because of what you offer. So it's not just about the product that you offer or the service that you offer. It's why. It's why you offer that product and service. And he gives the example of Apple. We all know Apple. Um, And talks about how, you know, people don't care what the new features are on the new iPhone or the iPad. They just want to buy the next Apple product because their values align with Apple. Um, And people will wait outside for days to get the new iPhone or the new release of um, whatever new technology it is out there because they just believe in Apple, they trust in Apple. And there's some data to back it up as well. So 80% of consumers choose to buy products from companies they trust. And 63% of consumers refuse to buy products and services from a company that they don't trust. And that trust comes from really understanding the why and why the company is doing what they're doing, aligning with values. And this extends to your brand with employees and candidates, not just with your customers. So as an employer, you have to understand your why, your purpose, why you as an organization do what you do, and how does that translate to the employee. It's really no different than thinking about how that translates to your customers or your clients. When you sell yourself as a company, you have to clearly communicate why your company does what it does, what is your purpose, so that the right employees choose your organization. Your employees have to be very clear in that purpose and in the work that they do at an individual level and how it connects back to the overall mission or why of the company. So you as an employer have to be able to sell that importance to your employees. Employees will join your organization and stay with your organization when they believe in your why, when their values align with your organization's values, and it goes, just, it goes beyond just having a statement. When your why or your purpose is clear as an employer, it really transfers over to how you treat your employees and what you provide them, because what you give them will attract certain types of employees who will best align with your purpose. When your organizational culture and those individual values do line up, the employees tend to be loyal and dedicated to the organization and to their work. You have to be able to communicate why the work they do is important and how they will continue to be challenged over the course of their careers as well. As an employer, when you know your why, again that purpose, it's easier to communicate that employee value proposition to your employees, both your current employees and your prospective employees. And those employees who find the employee value proposition valuable to them will be dedicated to you and to your company. But you also have to promote and communicate your why in the community, so it's not just about having those conversations to new hires or your existing employees. You really have to be an ambassador for your organization and for your industry in some cases, at all times. So how do you do that? Well, you've got to engage with the community. So some of you do this very well, and others may actually be more challenged if you live in a smaller community and you might have more distance to cover um, to be able to provide engagement to your communities. but you've got to be a brand ambassador and a little bit of a marketing strategist as you think outside of the box for how you reach, say, children at a younger age so that you keep them interested in your particular company or in your industry as they learn and grow and you want to continue to appeal to their needs and motivations as they become your employees. So, thinking about those STEM careers, um, science, technology, uh, engineering, and mathematics, there are a lot of communities that have STEM programs through schools or just other organizations, and and you can get involved there. Even if you're doing it at an individual level, that certainly helps, but if you can get your company behind you and, and be a part of those organizations, that helps even more. You're thinking about building those relationships very early on as you're thinking about really who fills your seats in 10 years, 20 years, or maybe even 30 years down the road. And having a positive community image can help too. So tying back to your why statement, what's our purpose, why are we here? A lot of organizations include some kind of community aspect to their why statement. If you think back, 75% of professionals are passive candidates. So they're not actively looking for a company, but if an opportunity came to them, they might consider it. So putting your name out in the community as a great employer will position your company well when you have an open house or you have a career fair, you have open jobs. People will have that name or brand brand recognition and know that you're a good place to work. If you have particular programs that engage in hiring women or minorities, veterans, individuals with disability. Um, those are all things to promote in your organization that may get you exposed to applicants that wouldn't normally have considered you as an option. And the other piece that you can do to promote your why outside of your organization is getting on social media. So 75% of US respondents believe that companies who see sweet executives and leadership team use social media to communicate about their core mission, brand values and purpose are more trustworthy. And think back to those stats that I gave you before about um, consumers buying products or not buying products from individuals or companies that they trust or do not trust. So the same translates over to employees. If you're more trustworthy, more employees will want to work for you and stay working for you. So our next strategy that um, we want to talk about is total rewards and making sure that you assess that. And we provided a full webinar on this topic last year, so I'm just going to hit it at a high level. But if you um, want to see that in more detail, you can visit the archives at AGH University or um, send us an email and we can send you a link if you'd like that full webinar access. So when we think about total compensation or total rewards, we're looking at different aspects related to pay, which can include both um, cash or incentive pay, your base pay, what you get on a regular basis, but also some of those variable pay forms. Um, Profit sharing can fall into that. We also think of health and welfare benefits, so your traditional insurances like health, dental, vision, life, short and long-term disability. Flexible spending accounts, health savings accounts, employee assistance programs, wellness programs all fall into that uh, bucket as well. You think about retirement planning, so what do you offer in terms of a 401k, an IRA, pension plans, long-term incentives, profit sharing, those types of uh, benefits. Paid time off is another aspect as you think about um, total rewards or compensation. So the holidays that you provide, vacation, sick, PTO, maternity or paternity leave, other forms of leave like uh, bereavement, military leave, jury duty pay, those kind of things. And then finally there's an other category which would be anything that you provide or invest money in on behalf of your employee. Um, And you can get pretty creative in that category so we'll give you a few options as well. So, in a survey by the Society for Human Resource Management, or SHRM, about 34% of HR professionals said they had difficulty hiring because salaries are not competitive for the market, and about 23% said candidates have actually rejected their compensation package. So, you want to make sure that you're competitive at this level, um, and you can do so do so through market assessments. And base pay is just one aspect of total compensation, but it's definitely a really important one you have to get right. People have to perceive that their pay is fair and that their basic needs are covered. If not, then they're going to be focused on the unfairness of their pay and their situation and be anxious about their circumstances, and they're not going to be the best employer for you. So you want to make sure your base pay is competitive. But that's just one piece of the puzzle. So as you think about pay options, you have to consider, do you offer incentive pay? What are the other Um, pieces of pay that come into play. So as an example, I was helping to recruit for a sales position last year, and the base pay was fair. It was okay, but it wasn't going to really entice someone away. But when you got to thinking about the bonus structure that went with that, that added 10 to 15% to the base salary, and um, the fact that the employee got a car and they had a credit card for expenses and they had the latest technology and they had all of these other things, it really sold the deal. So again, thinking about the pay as a total pay option, not just what the base pay is. You've got to be able to communicate that. And with some generations, they may be more motivated by pay than others. For instance, baby boomers and Generation X may be a little more motivated by pay at this point, especially if they are looking towards retirement or if they saw some losses in the recession. But on the other side of the equation, millennials are um, younger in life, so they have younger families. They're saving for college for their kids. They've got new homes. They may be still paying on student loan debt. So really when we think about pay, it's it's equally important to everyone. And you have to consider pay mix, of course, and how that motivates people. So just over half of organizations offer an incentive bonus plan where When the criteria are set in advance and they are met, the employee receives additional compensation. And this can really drive high performance when the program is properly set up and you have those incentives um, set up correctly. And 44% of those organizations that offer an incentive bonus plan actually offer that to their non-executive employees too. So again, you have to make sure it's set up right and you're incenting the right behaviors. If um, you don't have the right behaviors and it hasn't been well thought out, you may have employees that take shortcuts so that they can get that incentive. For example, what if you had a call center employee who is incentivized based on the number of calls he takes? Well, it's possible that the employee could disconnect longer problem calls just because they want to take more time um, to answer other calls instead of taking the time to really get to that one right. So you've got to be really careful in how you structure those incentive programs. And then thinking about a mix in terms of your base pay versus incentive pay, millennials may be more highly motivated by variable pay forms, so they tend to be more idealistic and they really believe in the organization. Um, So they will tend to be motivated by setting those lofty goals and um, attaining those and making sure the compensation matches. Generation X, on the other hand, they tend to be more pessimistic or skeptical, so they may not be as responsive to those high variable pay options. They may not feel like they trust the organizations as much and and believe that even if they attain their goals, the pay might not be there. So a lot of considerations to think about as you look at pay. Same thing with health and welfare benefits, so lots of different options in this category. A lot of times people get stuck on some of the very traditional things like health and dental and vision insurance, um, short and long term disability protections like that. But companies are becoming more progressive in terms of offering other options for supplementing those traditional health insurance or other insurance benefits. And that can include things like hospital and cancer policies, long term care insurance, Um, Various benefits such as pet insurance or identity theft insurance are becoming more popular. So you have to think about what is it that appeals to my employees and what do my employees want so that I can be most competitive. As you think about um, insurance benefits though, you also can get creative in how you structure your health insurance plans and you want to make sure you're being thoughtful about that. What do your employees need? What's going to motivate them? What will keep them as your employees? Most employers offer health and dental insurance, but how can you be more creative in how the benefits are funded, for example? So if you have a healthy workforce and they don't have a lot of expense for claims or prescription drugs, it might make more sense for most of your employees to be on a high deductible health plan. And for you as an employer to incentivize them to go there, you may also want to make a contribution to their health savings account that helps them pay for those medical expenses when they have them. So again, this won't work for every population, but again, if you have a younger, healthier kind of um, employee population, it might be a good option for you. And if the employee ends up never using that money in that health savings account, it can actually. or convert into a retirement fund after they hit their retirement age. So it can help save in that respect as well. So speaking of retirement benefits, um, these options have been pretty traditional over time. We're pretty stagnant in what we're doing with some of our 401 retirement options. About 90% of organizations offer a 401 or similar defined contribution plan and about 74% of organizations provide an employer match for this plan. So, for you to stand out as an employer um, where individuals want to stay working for you, then you can think about how you differentiate yourself in terms of your employer match. Do you provide more of a match or do you provide a match earlier? in terms of what the, when the employee is vested. You want to think about that vesting schedule because you might attract a very different employee if they are immediately vested at 100% rather than vesting over say a three-year or a six-year time period with the company. Offering a Roth 401 k may um, also be something that attracts certain employees or appeals to certain employees. Funding retirement through profit sharing is another example. Um, You can do that as part of just their base pay, but also it could go into their retirement fund as well, so that helps supplement that. Retirement incentives tend to be pretty powerful for millennials, so they've been through the Great Recession firsthand, and a lot of them watched their boomer and generation parents lose a lot of their retirement, so they see the importance of starting saving early. Um, So it's important to... Think about what retirement options speak to them, and that's going to include flexibility, portability, and really allow them to own it and make the changes that they want to when they need to. They'll likely not be in the same company 30 years from now, so you want to make sure that they have options that allow them to take their retirement savings that they've earned when they leave. Paid time off is another area where we're seeing some um, changes and some different options, so unlimited time off is um, something we're seeing more employers try out, and research shows us that employees actually take less time off than um, when they have a fixed time off policy, when they do have that ability to have unlimited time off. So it's not gonna work in every organization, but again, this can be very enticing to some, And employees just have to be really clear in expectations set for the work that needs to be done and the deadlines that need to be met. And managers have to hold them accountable. So management really plays into um, those organizations that allow unlimited time off policies. Expanded maternal and paternal leave is another area we're seeing some expansion or some differentiation, so larger organizations may be required to provide time off to employees under the Family and Medical Leave Act, um, but it's not required to be paid, so think about how you can supplement um, those time off policies with paid time off for maternal and paternal leave. Flexibility is really important, so just providing flexibility in work schedules can fit into this as well. Uh, Millennials tend to prefer a little more flexibility because they don't always draw the line between work and play as much, so they may be doing some personal things during the day, but they don't mind working in the evening as well, so that flexibility helps them. Um, Those that are getting close to retirement, they may need some of that flexibility too as they start to transition out even. Time off to volunteer is another perk that can be especially appealing to Millennials. So they're known for their social consciousness and studies have shown that they value brands and employers that emphasize doing good in the world. So it's really a double perk. You get to incentivize employees, but you're also helping the community. And some of the other perks that we see that are fairly typical. Um, professional membership so paying for your employees who have to have a professional membership and the licensing or certification fees that go with that about three-quarters of employees do that employers do that excuse me Um, about 13% of organizations offer loans to employees for emergency or disaster assistance and 7% offer loans for non-emergency situations so that's something that could certainly distinguish yourself as a destination employer if you want to look at that option Providing assistance with student loan repayments, so especially if you have a younger workforce, that might be a great perk that makes you stand apart. Or matching charitable contributions, so about 21% of organizations are doing that. And then just other little things that maybe don't um, have to add up to a huge sum but really make a difference. So knowing that their favorite artist is coming to town and you buy them tickets for that event or sporting events. or Um, providing food lunches those kind of things all of those factor into um, that total reward strategy that you have so we're going to go ahead and load our next poll question which is just um, in what area of total rewards could you use more help with compensation health and welfare benefits retirement benefits paid time off or other Where do you feel like you could use more help in assessing how competitive you are and maybe doing some things differently? The majority of you feel like if you needed help in an area, it would be compensation and then followed by some of your paid time off strategies. Um, Not as much of a need for some of the health and welfare benefits, retirement benefits, or other perks. So certainly some um, ways that we could assist you with those things. So we're going to move on to our next strategy, which is um, communicating your value proposition. So if I saw you out on the street and I asked you why should I use your company or your services to do X, uh, depending upon which company you are, of course, um, most of you could probably quickly and easily tell me why you're the best and what value you can provide. That would really encourage me to, to pick your company in whatever endeavor I was pursuing. And how many of you, though, could do the same if I were a candidate for a job and I ask you, well, why should I pick your company over another company? What is the value proposition you can provide me? It's really important for you to think about that and be able to communicate that to your candidates and also to your current employees. And when I talk about a value proposition from an employee perspective, you know, what do I mean by that? Well, it's the tangibles and the intangibles that you offer employees. It's what your employees get when they come to work for you. So it's things like a paycheck and health insurance. But it's also the intangible things, which are often so much more overlooked. It's the things that you can't put in your bank account, but that make you feel good at the end of the day, that make you walk away and feel like you had a sense of building something of value or that you belong to a great team or a great company. So I want you to think a little bit about what makes up your employee value proposition for your company. It's really important to understand the totality of what you offer employees, not just the total rewards that we talked about. And that's one important aspect. I'm not going to belabor that point. We already spent some time on it. Um, It's something that you need to be competitive with in general just to have employees interested in coming to work at your company and staying at your company. Um, but it's a lot more than, than, than just pay. Another um, part of the employee op- value proposition is opportunity. So here we're talking about what are the opportunities that an employee has to develop over time? What training will they get? How do you um, consider their pro- career progression? What's the stability they have in working for you? On-the-job training is one of those areas that can be a highly effective way of retaining good employees, and it's especially important with the younger generations. Employees who recognize the investment that you're making in them can really help lead to increased loyalty of that employee. There are a number of surveys out there that assess the importance of development opportunities, but there's a disconnect in what we're actually doing in companies. We're not providing what we need to the way we need to do it. Selecting candidates who don't have the relevant skills at present, but do really have potential to learn and grow can be a really effective recruitment strategy for you. So if you've developed programs where you have very effective training and onboarding and skill development. Really, sell that up in your recruitment in your recruitment efforts. The employees will appreciate the value you invest in them. Technical skill development isn't the only thing to consider. Soft skill development is also important for an employee's success. And when we look at certain research that's been done out there, so studies of over five hundred thousand people. Um, In this particular instance, emotional intelligence was shown to be the single biggest predictor of performance in the workplace and the strongest driver of leadership and personal excellence. So it's not just those key technical skills, it's really about how people interact with each other, being able to read the room or read the situation or manage their own emotions and their reactions. And according to research by the Carnegie Institute of Technology, skills in what they call human engineering, which would incorporate an individual's personality, their ability to communicate, negotiate, and lead others, those skills account for 85% of financial success. Only 15% is due to that technical knowledge. So it's really important for you in the organizations where you work to provide those soft, soft skill development areas too. But beyond that, you want to think about the employee as a person, so your longer tenured employees benefit from development as well. They may not need skills training, but something you can provide all of your employees is thinking about financial awareness training or a wellness program, personal development opportunities. So it's not just about those technical job skills, it's about the employee as a whole person and making sure they're healthy outside of work. Work in terms of physical health, mental health, financial health, spiritual health, All of those things allow them to focus more on the job at hand, and then they're more productive at work. And that's a great perk that you can sell, that you offer some of these different aspects of development for an employee. The problem that some of us face, though, is related to budgets. So in a SHRM survey that was done recently, nearly one-third of HR professionals said that their organizations didn't have a training budget. So how do you provide training when you're not budgeting for that and it's not priority prioritized in the organization's budget. I would really encourage you to take a look at this. Another aspect though related to training and development is succession planning. So what are the opportunities that an employee may have in your organization to move forward and progress in their career and move into the next line of leadership and management. Most organizations recognize that there's a need for that, but only about a third of organizations have a documented succession plan where they've really formally thought out what is the path, what are the key positions, who do I have available. Those things can be really motivating to millennials. And if you can sell it up front when you're recruiting the younger workforce but also keep selling it to your current workforce that's a way to retain those employees making sure that they understand there are potential paths of development for them so that's related to opportunity our next piece of the employee value proposition that you want to think about is organization so you as an employer Who do they get to serve? Who do employees get to serve? Who are your customers? How empowered are your employees? What does that look like in your organization? Is there corporate and social responsibility? Do they participate in the community? What's your market position? Are you the best in what you do? Um, What are the products that you sell? And then additionally, think about what are the technology options that are available. If you are always getting the newest and best technology, that's something that can really appeal to people. So you want to think about how you communicate that and sell that. People is another aspect of that employee value proposition. So thinking about the team that the employees will work with, what's the camaraderie look like? What quality of employees work there? Do you have all the best employees working for your company? You want to sell that and related to that is the reputation of senior management and we'll dive into that in a little bit more detail in a minute. And then finally the work itself. You want to consider that connection that an employee would have to meaningful or innovative work but also related to that, how is the work done? Is there travel involved? Is there workplace flexibility? What does work-life balance look like? How is an employee recognized for good work? Um, These are all things that you want to consider related to the actual work that the employee is doing um, as you communicate that employee value proposition. The why and what goes with it, that employee value proposition might be very different for a local government that provides services to citizens which include providing safety and well-being, than to a bank on Wall Street, for instance. So for an employee purely motivated by earning a lot of money, he or she likely wouldn't be a good fit for that local government or agency that is very mission-driven. So your employee value proposition certainly has to align with the organization's why. And we intuitively understand that we need to align those two, but most of us don't take the time to really think through what that means, so we're not always the best at selling it or communicating it to applicants or candidates for employment, and then also our current employees. It's such a key component of attracting and keeping the right employees. Alright, so our fourth strategy to talk about today was good management. So an area that is critical for employers is having the people that can engage and retain your current employees. Without, without good managers, your employees get stressed. And long-term stress can cause mental and health issues that eventually cause your employees to leave, let alone drive up some of your health care costs too. So you want to make sure that you have great um, managers in your organization. Depending upon the uh, survey that we look at, it's anywhere from 50% to 75% of employees who voluntarily leave jobs do so because of their bosses and not just the job itself. So people are leaving not just because of the work or the job, it's usually related to their direct manager or supervisor. And good managers and supervisors, they really lead in a way to engage employees. So when employees are engaged in the work they're doing, they tend to take that personal responsibility for the success of the organization. They apply de- discretionary efforts, and they do that in alignment with the organization's goals. So you want employees to be engaged. High-performing companies spend about one and a half to two times more on leadership development than on um, than other companies do. And the results are three to four times as much as their level or as their competitors. So spending one and a half to two times more in leadership development can result in three to four times um, increased profitability. So you want to make sure you are certainly providing managers that are equipped with the skills that they need to engage and retain employees. And there are a number of drivers I want to just hit at a very high level here of employee engagement. And pretty much all of these are related to management and how people manage. We talked about strategic alignment with the mission, the why. Trust in senior leadership is very important as well as that relationship with immediate supervisors. So employees want people to walk the walk and talk the talk and demonstrate the values that you talk about. Employees want to have personal influence in what's going on. They want to feel like their voices are heard. They want clarity in their role. They need to understand how what they're doing aligns with the organizational mission. They want to really have full understanding of that. And then they need resources and and support to do the job well. So you as a manager need to make sure you're providing those resources and support. In addition, Peer culture and interaction is really important, and we'll um, address that as well. The nature of the job we talked about, so the uh, work opportunity, does the employee have the ability to work in a position where they can be successful. Career support and development opportunities we talked about, and employee recognition and appreciation I mentioned briefly as well. So these are all drivers of employee engagement, and your managers directly impact all of these that I just put up there. The one that I would say is not necessarily a driver of employee engagement, it's more of a driver of disengagement when you don't have it right, but that's pay fairness. and Managers may or may not always have direct impact to that, but they certainly can influence that as well. So this is part of the, the reason we want to make sure we have managers who are good at doing all of these things and that can help drive employee engagement going to go ahead and load our last poll question now. Just want to know how effective you feel your managers are at engaging employees. So are they very effective, somewhat effective, somewhat ineffective, very ineffective, or it depends on the manager.
0: So Carrie, we had a couple questions come in during the uh, course of your presentation. The first one was, what resources are available to help us assess our total rewards competitiveness?
1: So There are certainly some um, benchmarking um, resources available for you so compensation surveys exist out in the marketplace where you would want to look at that Um, but also you want to assess again total rewards so not just compensation and um, certainly we can help if anyone is, is interested in exploring that in more detail
0: all right the second question that came in was how do you assess employees perceptions and how we're doing with these five areas
1: so back to what i was covering on that uh, last slide there Um, you can do an employee survey of your employees that can include an online option or it could be interviews you could do 360 degree feedback Um, Any of those where you're just asking and getting direct feedback from employees, focus groups, um, any of those types of uh, direct survey options would work.
0: Okay, and we had one question come in here uh, during the Q&A session. How can we build a case to our senior leaders for evaluating our status as a destination employer?
1: Well, you, you have to really provide the return on investment for them. So you want to look at things like if you have high turnover, how do you quantify that turnover? Um, If you're having to train a lot of people because of turnover a lot of hire, how do you quantify what that retraining looks like or how do you quantify lost productivity for Individuals when they leave the organization and others are covering for them. Those kind of things are what I would suggest you look at. So what's that return on investment that you would get because you would see lower costs and turnover and training and things like that?